Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Not only is this our class tonight, it's what I uh, talked to you about Monday night. It's what we're praying for the mountain of the Lord to come. Uh, Micah 4, 1 says, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow into it. Uh, If you look down in verse number 8, it says, O thou tower of the flock, it's talking about us, the church, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, talking about the church, unto thee shall it come even the first dominion, the kingdom or the mountain or the house of God shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Uh, so first dominion, we went back last week uh, where God created man and said, let us uh, give him dominion. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over everything that creepeth on the face of the earth. So man was created to have dominion over the earth realm. Now listen to me. If we can get this established right, you're going to see. If you were to, uh, I want everybody to draw an imaginary circle around them right now. Draw your circle. Just around you, not around somebody beside you. Some of you got to have big circles, some little circles. <laughs> you got your circle drawn. What you got to realize is, is you, not God, are in complete control of the divine activity that takes place in that circle. You can't control the circle beside you. You can't control, and nor can they control yours. So a lot of people who don't understand uh, the dominion that's been given to man sit inside a circle waiting on God to do something in which he cannot do without your permission. Can y'all receive that? He cannot. He will not. Why? Because he relinquished dominion and authority to man. So that leaves us in a position to where, number one, that's a good thing. Uh, a lot of people think it's all about destiny. It's all about destiny. Well, it is about destiny to a certain degree because you were predestined and predetermined. But let me tell you, it's about decisions, your decisions. God will not trump your decisions. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Amen. So the atmosphere in your circle, I'm going to pull responsibility down to the believer. The atmosphere in your circle is not God's fault. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. It's not your society's fault. It's not your color's fault. It's not your social standing's fault. It's not your wife's fault. <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> amen. The, the, the spiritual, mental, physical climate, emotional climate in your circle is under your direct control. God relinquished his It's illegal for God to work on your circle or anything you're connected to without co-partner with you to do it. So God did not relinquish uh, uh, or give up his right to work on your behalf. He only gave it up uh, the right to work exclusive from you on your behalf. Are you following me? 
That is so important. So if it's true in your circle, it's true in our community. It's true in the realm we live in. People are waiting on God or blaming God for things that God has no control over simply because he gave that control to the body of Christ. That's what we started dealing with last week, amen? And I've had people say, I just have a hard time believing that the almighty God can't just move sovereignly uh, on his own. He, He can't because he relinquished that to mankind in the book of Genesis. So his goal, in order for him to get back to this planet, amen, after Adam forfeited it, he had to, the, the, he had to clothe himself in flesh and become a man to be able to operate on this level, amen? That's where Jesus came from. So the whole goal was to restore the first dominion, amen? And the first dominion was Adam and Eve. They walked in perfect fellowship with God. They had dominion over the earth. And what I want to try to get to tonight, the first thing they had dominion over was themselves. They had no shame. They had perfect peace. They had perfect joy. They were naked and didn't, they weren't self-conscious. They were so God-conscious that they were covered with the righteousness of God. Therefore, they had complete self-government. The greatest thing God will ever give you at salvation is self-governance. That is the very epitome of salvation is that I have control again by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to try to get to how much control can we have and do we have? Because I'm afraid a lot of people get saved and, 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 and get our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and on our way to heaven, but never realize that I can access keep complete control over my mind, my temper. Y'all ain't going to help me tonight, are you? Amen. My actions. So really, it's unscriptural, it's unbiblical for a Christian to ever say, uh, I couldn't help myself. Why? Because the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is now dwelling inside of you, amen, and all the power of the Godhead, of that mountain, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is represented in the mountain of the Lord that is made available unto us, okay? So, last week we talked about that dominion that God gave Jesus, that we got to learn how to judge. We got to learn how to start judging situations. Now, listen to me. Um, let's, let's look at that. Look at John chapter number five. You ought to be able to find that real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. These are some scriptures we read last week of the dominion that Jesus had. John chapter number five. While you're finding that, last week we read the scripture, and I'm not going back this week because, you know, we get so bogged down going backwards. Uh, But uh, Adam had so much dominion that God brought all the animals to him, right? And he said, whatever you name it, that's what it's going to be. God used two terms in the book of Genesis. uh, And he said, whatever you call it, that's what its name's going to be. To call means to identify Whatever you identify it as, that's the position that it's going to have. 
All right, if God said, I'm going to give you uh, your first dominion, then you have the power to identify a situation, and ever how you identify it, you give it position in your life. If you identify it as bigger than, stronger than, are y'all with me? That's a great concept I don't have time to teach. But if you identify that thing and acknowledge that thing, you give it position in your life. So there's some things in our lives we're wanting God to remove. When God said you identified it, you gave it position. So unless you go back by the law and judge it properly, it has a legal right to stay in your life. It has a legal right. That mindset has a legal right to stay in your life. Even though you hate it and you pray against it, that little temper tantrum of yours, that little quirk of yours, that little addiction of yours, that little whatever of yours, if you have identified that thing and given it position in your life, then it doesn't matter how much you pray, God cannot remove it. When is it going to be removed? When you realize I've been given the authority and the dominion to start uh, identifying that thing as defeated in my life. Oh, if we could just start identifying with God instead of identifying with a fallen nature and with the enemy because the enemy will tell you anything and if you identify with it, you give it position in your life. So God's trying to raise up judges again. That was our teaching last week. Uh, I think most of y'all were here for that. That 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 you are you have that power and authority and dominion. But let me tell you something right here. You judge by the law. That's our whole goal of this teaching to begin to teach you. You are the judge. You are the God little G. And that's Psalms 82. Write that down so that we remember. I read it straight out of the scripture. That's Psalms chapter number 82, verses one through eight. Uh, but, but here's the problem. And then Jesus backed it up over in the book of John. Uh, anybody remember what them scriptures was? 10 32? Awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. It's his favorite. Uh, where Jesus said, your, your own scripture says you are God's. Little g. In other words, he's trying to put the believer back into the right mental perspective to begin to live a victorious life. If you don't, you're going to stay defeated. But if you're the judge and you got to judge by the law and the law is God's word, a judge who does not know the law is useless. Are you listening to me? If you are not in your Bible, you are defeated. Because you can cry, you can kick, you can scream, you can get counsel, you can get all kind of things. But the only thing that 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 uh, the only thing that brings a criminal to justice is law. Oh, y'all got to catch this right here. So I'm telling you, some of us need to turn the TV off and pick up the Bible. We got very little word in us. You cannot be a powerful or authoritative without the word. The devil does not respond to anything but the word. He don't respond to speaking in tongues. He responds to the word. He responds to the law. Are y'all following me tonight? So if I don't have a word on it, so if you're in a situation that you don't have a word on it, you might well stop. Why? Because you're dealing with a criminal, a lawless one. 
And, if, and the only thing God backs up is his. Okay? Uh, a lot of people think God's moved with emotions and feelings. If God was moved with emotions and feelings, nobody would ever have a pain or a hurt. He's not moved with your emotions, your feelings, your hurts, your disgust. He's only moved by faith when you start speaking the word. Okay? So you got to know the law. Uh, here is the authority that God gave Jesus. Uh, John 5, 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For things soever he doeth, these does the Son likewise. These are so important to me, and they've got to become so important to you. Where did Jesus see the Father doing anything? Where did he hear him saying anything? Prayer. 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 If you don't have a secret place of prayer, Matthew 7 says, when you pray, go into your closet, and the Father who sees you in secret will reward you publicly. Your public victories will always be a direct reflection of your secret place of prayer. That's another thing you better wrap your mind around. Amen. I don't care how much declaring you do, what you do. Amen. If you're going to be successful face-to-face -face with your enemy, that may be your co-worker. That may be the enemy working through a lot of things. Your success is going to be determined by what you saw God do and hear God say in a prayer closet. Okay? This is what made Jesus such an awesome judge. He got to know the judge. He got to know the judge, okay? Uh, for the Father loves the Son and shows him 20 all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Here it is. For, for the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? He committed all judgment to the Son. Now, we know that one day there'll be a great th a white throne of judgment and the judgment will come back to God, but in, in that realm. But in this realm, he needed a fleshly counterpart to do the judging. And you got to understand when you use the word judge, that's not a negative, that's not actually a negative connotation to judge. To judge means to execute justice. I don't know about you, but I want God judging on my behalf. Why? Because I'm going to get what I deserve. I'm going to say that again. You're going to get what you deserve. If you deserve judgment from God from a negative, negative perspective, you're going to get it. You're going to get discipline. But if you have stood in the righteousness of God and the enemy is insulting or assaulting you, then judgment is coming my way. Justice is coming my way. Are you following me tonight? So he said, I commit all judgment to the Son. Look at 26. For the Father has life in himself, so has given it to his Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. We talked that last week. This is the reason he could judge, not because he was the Son of God, because he was the Son of Man. He was God wrapped in the flesh, and he judged in a fleshly realm. Now... Uh, let's read one more, 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my just judgment is always fair. 
because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. The only way that you're going to start judging situations in your life properly is to be in a proper relationship with the Father. It's when I surrender my own self, my own feelings, and my own ways, and I judge according to the divine will of God. Now, we went back over that to bring you to this point. When Jesus left, he transferred that level of judgment to the body of Christ. Now, it is our privilege slash responsibility to execute the judgment of the Father on this earth. Are y'all with me? If they are rogue spirits running rampant in our community, if they are destroying lives, if the spirits of drugs and addiction and homosexuality and suicide, if all these demons are running rampant in our community, it's simply because they have not been judged properly. And God left all of that responsibility to the body of Christ. Now, having said that, let's go to the book of Obadiah. Wait, why are you in the New Testament? Turn, it, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. I, I just really need to get one more reference in on this judging things. In other words, I hope this teaching can get you to take your prayer from a bunch of religious jargon into really standing in the stead of God and pronouncing some judgment on some things. Now, I taught you last week that Jesus said, I judge all things, but then, and, and then, then he said, I judge no man, Okay? The difference between Jesus and a lot of the church is Jesus don't look at the man and judge based on external uh, performance or habits. We look at the way people are acting and sometimes we judge them. Huh? How many of y'all is good at that? You can just read a person right off. Every one of you are. Huh? It don't take you long to size him up. Y'all ain't going to say nothing because you're scared to, but we're all like that. It don't take long to say, I like him, or I don't like him. Am I right about it? I don't like his disposition. There's something about that guy I just do not like. I don't like his arrogant attitude. It don't take us just a minute. Why? Because we are conditioned to pull and to feel vibes and see actions, and boom, we pronounce a judgment on them. Well, when that happens, you've just separated yourself from the ability to stand in the stead of God, uh, hear what God is saying about the demon behind that situation, or that spirit behind that situation, or that culture behind that situation, to be able to deal with it uh, in a manner that would be successive or productive, right? Uh, so Jesus said, I don't judge anybody. I judge, uh, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual weaknesses in high places. Uh, just another scripture I wanted you to have in your notes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. No, no, no. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. Somebody read it real loud, real quick.
But he that is what? Spiritual. Judges what? All things. A carnal man ain't got no business judging. We can't judge from our, in other words, a spirit man is not talking about what my eyes see, my ears hear, my hands feel. It ain't got nothing to do with external, right? The spiritual man is the man who can look past all of that, a spiritual man, and judge it for what it really is. And when we learn to do that, then we have positioned ourselves to hear how God is judging that situation. I am challenging some of you. I am ch- I've been challenging you for weeks and months. Instead of jumping in and praying your prayer over situations and circumstances for us to realize I got to judge this like I hear God judging it. This can change. This could change everything in the way you pray about a situation. Because situations I was wanting to bring God to bring some people out of, I stopped and said, God, I want to hear what you're doing in this situation. I want to see what you're doing in this situation. I want to know how you're judging. And God would speak to me clearly, saying, I'm not about to bring them out of this situation. I'm going to use this situation for my greater good and greater purpose. So a lot of times we're just praying because that's what we want God to do instead of being an executive of the perfect will of God or an executor of the perfect will of God. Are you following me? It changes everything. Okay, now now that you read that, you've got it in your notes. Uh, Well, look at verse 16 while you're there. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? This is big. But we who? He who is spiritual, we have the mind of Christ. That's why we can judge things properly is when we have the mind of Christ. Okay, now let's go to Obadiah. I want to work on some progressive. Right before Jonah. And the reason I'm going to teach on this tonight is because this is where the church is. I think it's evident and obvious that you and I know that the Bible says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Is that not Bible? Is that not Bible? Amen. Well, why aren't we operating on that level? Amen. Why are we operating on that level? Well, there's a progression of dominion that gets us to that level and we're still on ground zero because for the most part, the majority of immature, carnal Christianity in Americanized churches is still dealing with petty sins, differences, envies and strifes. I'm just being real. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, are, are, are you still arguing with one another? I mean, I could just hear the, the, the apostle. Are you still having your little childish cat fights with one another? Talking to, about the church. Amen. Are, are you still, there's still envy and strife among you? 
He said, you're still behaving like mere men. You're behaving like unbelievers. There's no way if I haven't dominated this area of my life, my own feelings and emotions, my own soul, we're going to get back to that, my own soul, there's no way that I can step into the realm of the supernatural and bind demons off people. And that is so the purpose of the church, to be put into a place to actually eradicate the works of the devil in our communities. Can y'all buy into this? Jesus came to destroy the works. Of, and how did he do it? By judging. He brought the judgment of God and he would see the demon, he would judge it. He was so powerful that the legion fell down and said, don't torment me. Don't torment me. God is so trying to move his church into that realm again. So we quit having church two or three times a week and start turning communities upside down. God, are y'all with me tonight? Obadiah. Y'all find it yet? 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. And there shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob, that's the church, that's the mountain, shall possess their possessions. I want us to talk about these scriptures until we understand them. I want you to notice the progression in 17. There shall be deliverance. As a result of deliverance, there shall be holiness. And as a result of holiness, they shall be possessions gained. Deliverance. Are you following me? Holiness and possessions. A greater degree of deliverance constitutes a greater degree of holiness and a greater degree of holiness constitutes a greater degree of possessions. Man, if we only understood that. Possessing what? Possessing what? You have an inheritance that belongs to you. Now let's break it all the way down to just, just possessions 101. They're these, if you want to write them down. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, how many of I named? Y'all know where I'm at yet? I'm sorry. Gentleness. How many is that? There should be nine of them. Faith. Is that one of them? Fruits of the Spirit. I ain't even looking but read them in forever. It's in Galatians chapter number five. That is, that is the, I'm talking about, that's entry level possessions that you should have. Huh? temperance. Still one more I feel like I'm missing. I got them all? Okay, now I want to ask you this question. How many of you feel like you're in possession of all nine gifts or fruits? Love, joy, peace. Here's one for you. 
Long-suffering. Think about it. Most Christians are struggling just to put up with the people they work with. Huh? Just say ouch, not hey. Short-tempered. Are y'all with me? Short-tempered and only got joy when she's acting right or he's acting right. All the bills is good. Everything's good. Other than that, I would be flying off the handle. I am teaching better than y'all responding, but I'm going to teach it anyway. Huh? We don't have the fruit of the Spirit. We have a religious joy that as long as you're talking right, acting right, and everything's going right, I have a joy that has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. A joy from the Holy Spirit is a joy that is so galvanized by the Spirit of God that it has nothing to do with external surroundings. Now, I'm going to ask you again, do you have joy? Or do you have happiness? That's happiness is what that is. And it's always predicated by external circumstances. So one of the possessions of salvation is simply me being able to have joy in the midst of any given situation and circumstance. It's the ability to love. Anybody have trouble loving? Huh? Somebody's like, I don't know trouble loving. It's because you ain't got against the right person who pushed your buttons. I'm, I'm not, see, you missed it. I'm not talking about loving those that love you. I'm talking about a gift, a fruit of the Spirit, an evidence, an evidence that your inheritance is in you, that you love those who hate you and despitefully use you. <laughs> I feel the depth of this. Do you feel it as I'm teaching it? I'm telling you the majority of the people sitting in this room right now, if we would just admit it, do not have the fruits of the Spirit in our life. We have symptoms of them that shows up when the, the wind is blowing in the right direction and when circumstances are favorable. I'm trying to tell you we have not tapped in to our inheritance. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.